We are still on Revelation 19. That's now our reference scripture. Now, when he said, fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. He's saying, in other words, he was actually describing that now the church has entered blamelessness. The church that enters now has a blameless life, can live a blameless life, must live a blameless life without blame. Hallelujah. So let us look at this, because we are characterizing the garment today. Let us look at this character of blamelessness that the garment bestows on the church now. Listen to this now. Before we read, we're going to read now, but I want to divide for you into three regions. Because if I wear you, now you have written, garment bestows blamelessness. Or you just write blamelessness, and then you underline. That's your subtitle. Now, each of these subtopics are a major sermon. A major sermon. So now listen to these precious people. He's saying that this garment, when he said, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. In other words, he was saying that a life of blamelessness has been bestowed on her. Now she has no blame. Yeah. And that's why I said, let us discuss the blamelessness now as a subtopic. I will divide into three regions. The first region is this one here. Listen. Now, when you look at the Bible, when you look at the Bible, you'll see that there are certain biblical characters that lived a blameless life. I'm just bringing you to a place that you may understand what Jesus did for the church. What the original intent was. That when you realize, wow, I cannot mess it up again. Because in the Bible, there are certain characters that lived a blameless life. And I want to visit them briefly that you may see how the throne of God, heaven, treasures a blameless life. Then when you know that the garment bestows, puts on the church a blameless life, then you will understand the gravity of what Jesus did. Let us go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Let's begin from there. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. I'll just mention a few characters. In the Bible, some old ancient characters that lived a blameless life and how the Lord did with them. And then, I'll now go to the Old Testament and look at the temple of the Lord. After that, then I'll come to the New Testament. On this character of blamelessness that the government bestows on the church, lays on her. Then you go preach this. You tell them, ah, 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 the current thing now is to live a blameless life. Because Jesus has bestowed on us the garment. And the garment brings the character of blamelessness into our lives, into our salvation. Hallelujah. So Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 I'm reading. This is what he says. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Hey! I'm just mentioning one character. Noah, for example. Noah, he says, was a righteous man. Look at this now. The righteous, as we'll talk about the garment. A righteous man, and he's saying, he walked blameless before the Lord and walked with God. That is mighty. He's saying, 
that when you look at the whole earth like now there was no man on the earth that walked a blameless life to the extent that when he found one one in the whole earth one called Noah walking blameless look at what he did he killed the whole earth did you understand me he killed the entire earth and remained with that blameless man and said let a new generation come from him you remember the floods because of this character of blamelessness that the government bestows on the church this character he says if you look at some of the key personalities of the bible that walked blameless one of them is Noah. that the whole earth in his generation there was none and when he alone walked in blamelessness blameless before god god was able to kill the entire earth and remain with noah did you understand the gravity of what jesus did for the church ay 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 did somebody understand me now you can see the original intention of jesus that out of the entire earth the church and then you also see how heaven treasured that blamelessness to wipe out and he created them but mercilessly wiped them all out of the face of the earth and remained with a blameless man so when jesus came and gave us fine linen when he said and fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear you can imagine what he did unto the church he wanted the church out of the entire earth to stand alone and be treasured to the extent that he will destroy the whole earth but the church remain oh. hallelujah oh i told you i myself when i met this then i said wow the blueprint of salvation when jesus came to do it with all his heart and he did excellent best for the church ultimate there is no other this is the highest he did for the church can i move on now can we look at another character genesis 17 genesis 17 verse 1 hallelujah and he says the following he says when abraham was 99 years old the lord appeared to him and said i am god almighty walk before me and be blameless the lord he says so he says to abraham please come come walk with me i want you to be blameless please and then when abraham accepts and walks blameless before god look at what he did with abraham until the messiah came from him eh! blamelessness is big it's big before the throne eh! he told him up to the extent he said like the sand of the sea shores that's your blessing of your descendants and joseph comes to egypt and the famine a descendant of him now abraham and famine comes joseph is raised and when he begins to collect the grain he says like the sand of the seashores and the global famine comes joseph saves nations including the house of jacob ah! 
blamelessness. Look at how the Lord uses Abraham for that quality of blamelessness. Did you now understand? When he shouted, fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. Now you see what he did. Blamelessness. He said, and be blameless. After that, he did so much with Abraham. It's amazing. In fact, he calls him the father of faith. It's so much like the stars in the sky. There's so much how he blessed him. Out of the treasure of blameless life. A blameless life. Blameless meaning. What is the meaning of blameless? The meaning of blameless is this. To live Christian salvation. Christian salvation. But what does it mean? What does it mean to live a Christian salvation? I'm talking in the context of blamelessness. Meaning what you do when you are alone. If I am to take your phone and take to the intelligence now and begin to screen your phone and get the audios from the phone and the text, can I come out without pointing a finger at you? Be careful now. Salvation is what you do when you are alone. When you are driving in the streets and there are these women dressed badly passing by the side of the street and then your eyes see, you turn like this your eyes. You turn and say, Lord, I don't want to see. Lord, I don't want to defile myself. So you turn like this. But he's saying, when you are alone in the car and then you see and you do like that and then look at this now. And then as you're driving and you look back again, you have fallen. You have fallen. Can I repeat this? This is very important. You are driving across the streets. Oh, yes. And there are these women or girls dressed in a bad way. And you see, Lord, I don't want to defile myself. Because that's the instinct for those who have followed this. That's the instinct. That's the knee-jerk reaction. I don't want to defile myself. You see that? But then they have graduated because they have reached a point of saying, Lord, wow, they are like sheep without a shepherd. Now you begin to cry for their pastor. Because you know that the day of truth is coming. When they will account for this. Everybody will account for what they did. But listen to this now. He's saying that you look and say, Lord, I don't want to defile myself. He's saying, but if you, now you're alone, there's nobody in the car. And then if you look a second time, you have fallen. If I am to take a spiritual audit of your life, and let's say I have some, some disc that contains all that when you're alone in your house, in your office, in your car. Am I able to give you a clean bill of spiritual health? Ah, yeah. That is the true test of salvation. It is not a joke. I told you it must be realized here. I told you, you now must make a deliberate intention, decision that we want to be holy we want to follow holiness and go and do it. If you don't, guess what? You will not enter the kingdom of my father. If surely the Lord Jehovah sent me, you will not. It is not a joke. That day will come. Just the way I prophesy earthquakes and they come to pass. Tells you that the Lord is broadcasting, is evangelizing. Say, so be careful now. Just the same way he says, go now, cripples get up and walk, and you'll walk. Don't they fear open, whatever. And he says, earthquake, what, whatever, and it happens. It's the same way even the Messiah he's announcing will one day come. Hey! Now look at this now. We have seen Noah. 
out of blameless, look at what God can do with Noah. Abraham, out of blameless life, look at what the Lord does. Can we look at the third character and then I now enter the temple? Hallelujah. So let us look at the book of Job now. Job chapter 1 verse 1. The characters in the Bible that lived a blameless life. And then you'll understand how God treasures the blamelessness that this garment lays on the church. Hallelujah. Job chapter 1 verse 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. And if you go to verse 8, he says the following there. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on the earth like him. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. Ah, ah, ah. Another character that lived blameless before God. Now you get a picture of what Jesus intended to do with the church. Oh, oh, this is incredible, mighty, powerful. Because now I have brought you to a place where you understand the gravity of Christian salvation. What Jesus planned with the church. And you can also now see the failure that came up. Because he says, like Noah, he says, there is no one in the entire earth like him. To the extent that Jehovah tells Satan, Go try him. You will not succeed. Did you see that? Did you see the confidence the Lord develops in a blameless, even the kind of relationship with the Lord where God tells Satan, I'm sure of him. You go try. That is where Jesus wanted the church to be. This is where the Lord wanted the church to be. Such that she is beyond reproach beyond reproach. No reproaches of this world can touch her. Proof. Another proof. Look at the characters I've mentioned. I've mentioned Noah. I've come to Abraham. I've mentioned Job. The generals of God. Wow. Hallelujah. What a mighty message. Meaning, the Lord, the Lord, when he said, fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. He wanted the church to enter these ranks this rank this rank where she's beyond the reproaches of sin scandals cannot touch her the devil cannot approach her she's sin proof she shuns evil has zero tolerance to sin zero I'm not saying 90 zero zero tolerance she will not accept sin 100% no sin she don't want sin Hallelujah. Can we move on now? Now I have already in this character that the garment lays, bestows on the church. The bestowment of the garment of righteousness. The garment that brings to her a blameless life. I've mentioned the three generals. Now you begin to understand the gravity of what that garment does. Meaning the gravity of protecting that garment. That you may now protect it. That is my mission. If I reach a place where now you understand that, wow, I am going to protect my garment, then I have succeeded today. 
this mission is successful. Now look at this now. I want now to go to the Old Testament still, but to the temple of the Lord. Still to define to you this character called blamelessness, so that you may understand the gravity of what the garment was meant to do. Hallelujah. So now look at this now before I give anything. Listen to me precious people. Now, if you look at the temple of Jehovah, the temple of the Lord, look at the following. And then, you search for the word blameless. What will you find? You will find that that was a term that was used to refer to the sacrificial animal that was offered there. That animal was supposed to be one that is blameless. That is the only way to now take away the sins for temporarily. Once a year, the high priest entered there temporarily for the people. It has to be without blame. So let us go to Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3, and then we'll go to Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1, and then chapter 3, verse 6, and then Numbers 6, 14. I'm going to give you all the scriptures. And then Malachi. Then you'll be able to understand the gravity of that statement. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. You will today, oh, this is a beautiful day. Hallelujah. So Leviticus chapter 1 verse 3. Again, now, if I were you, the temple of the Lord. Because it's under the same topic of blamelessness. And then we have seen some of the major characters. Genesis 6 verse 9. Genesis 17 verse 1. Job chapter 1 verse 1. Job chapter 1 verse 8. So we have seen those three characters. Noah, Abraham, and Job. The generals of God celebrated in the Bible. Same character that Jesus wanted with that garment to bring to the church. Bring her to the same rank. Same treasure. Then now, I'm saying, with that preamble introduction, now we can go now to the temple of God. In other words, look at what does the Old Testament say about blamelessness that this garment is supposed to have placed on the church before we go to the New Testament. And I've said right away from the beginning that in the Old Testament, you'll see it being used to refer to the animal that was sacrificed before Jehovah in the temple. And then in there is the message for the church right now. Leviticus chapter 1. Verse 3. Hallelujah. He says, If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he is to offer a male without defect. Without what? Defect. And then he says, He must present it at the entrance to the temple of meeting that it will be acceptable to the Lord. So now, in the temple of the Lord, we see that it's used for reference to refer to the sacrificial animal, blameless. But now when we go into it, then what does it say? What does the Bible say about it? We meet a major feature that's being highlighted, meaning without defect. He raises without defect. Can we look at Leviticus 3 verse 1 now? If someone's offering is a fellowship offering, and he offers an animal from the herd, whether male or female, he is to present before the Lord an animal without defect. If I were you and I meet without defect, I underline it. Because now you begin to understand what the Lord is emphasizing to the church. Then you begin to understand what Christ Jesus came to do to the church. You begin to understand when he said, fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. Now you understand what he meant that garment to bring to the church without defect. Can I finish it now? He says, Leviticus 3.6. He says, 
If he offers an animal from the flock as a fellowship offering unto the Lord, he is to offer a male or female without defect. If he offers a lamb, he is to present it before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on the head and so forth. So without defect. I'm just using these scriptures to emphasize that there is a phenomenon here that Jesus intended to bring to the church. So when he said, fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear based on this vision of the wedding rings, then you understand what he was saying. What I should go and tell the church to tell her without defect. Can I now go to Numbers and then I'll come to Malachi? Then you'll understand. But look at my paradigm. This is my hand. I'm lifting up the hand. This is my paradigm. I gave you the introduction of the generals, the generals of God that are celebrated owing to a blameless life and saying that the church was supposed to enter those ranks, right? Now we understand the gravity of the garment was supposed to bring her to that rank. But look at this now. I said, now we go to the temple and in the temple we find the blameless animal, the sacrificial animal and what comes out of there is without defect, meaning zero tolerance. But look at this now. I want to navigate with you still in the Old Testament here. In the Old Testament here, still operating with this animal here of sacrifice. I want to come to a place. Because now we are seeing that the laying of the garment on the church was meant to bring without defect to her. That if she offers without defect, he accepts. Without defect, he accepts. Without, three times. But look at this now. I will also bring to you, while we are still here at the temple, I'll bring to you, how about offering with defect? So that you may understand what the government does when it brings without defect. Hallelujah. That is my paradigm I'm pursuing. In fact, I use this example. You don't know the importance of the revival you have now until it's taken away from you. Meaning, we can talk about without defect. Without defect, without defect, the government does this to the church. But we will never understand the gravity of that until we understand how about with defect? How does God react? They say, oh, then I understood this. It will lay emphasis to this, gravity to this. So that is my paradigm that I'm pursuing with you. After that, I'll move to the New Testament. So let us go now to the book of Numbers, I said. The book of Numbers chapter 6 verse 14. Numbers chapter 6 verse 14. Another without defect. And he says, There he is to present his offering unto the Lord, a year old lamb without defect for a burnt offering, a year old ewe without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a fellowship offering, together like that. Without defect, without defect, without defect. It is well highlighted in your minds now. Can I now look at with defect that we may understand what the garment does to bring without defect? So let us look at the book of Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1, precious people. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 to verse 14. Again, I'm pursuing the same paradigm. Now with defect, so we may understand without defect. He says the following. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. You see the way he begins. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? 
says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offering from your hands. Will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Verse 10. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. And I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from the rising and the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offering will be brought to my name. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of his food, it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifice, should I accept them from your hands? says the Lord. Cast is the cheat who has an acceptable meal in his flock and vows to give it, but sacrifices a blemished animal unto the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nation. Did you now understand? Did you understand? Because I said, you cannot understand the gravity of what the government does to us in bestowing this blamelessness. Except that you understand what a blemished sacrifice is to God. Look at the anger. Look at the manner of rhetoric and anger. It's as if he's saying, my name will be great. I will not accept those things. It's a big fight. And in fact, he now talks about the sacrificing of crippled animals. I want you to imagine for a moment that you get a sheep. The two hind legs of the sheep are crippled. And the sheep is pulling itself the belly. The belly is pulling itself. Walking like that, pulling itself. It's an ugly sight to behold. It is not a good sight. And he says, you get that type of animal and you sacrifice. Or you get an animal that's blind, is knocking things and he's so tired. Boom, blah, boom, blah, knocking so bad. Boom, blah. And then he's so tired, then he just sits down there. You can imagine a blind animal. 
when you begin to develop this imagination then now you can understand what the lord intended when he brought fine linen bright and clean not was prepared no was given from heaven given to her from god himself divine origin to wear because now exonerates her removes blame from her because where there is blame look at the sacrifice she would have offered with her life crippled blind diseased and he says try even your governors will he accept you hallelujah now let us move to the new testament in the new testament i have now talked about the generals of god the key figures that are walking blameless you saw the celebration right and that the church was admitted to that rank i have talked about the sacrificial animal in the temple so now we understand better this phenomenon of blamelessness that the garment was meant to bestow on the church in fact now we understand better when he says fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear we see what was given to her we have even seen on the other side of the coin now let us move to the new testament what do you find in the new testament in the new testament you are going to slowly find that this character of blamelessness that the garment bestows upon the church essentially will now transform look it will now change and now it will become more about moral purity moral excellence moral perfection have you understood that now we are moving to the new testament you will find that this character of blamelessness that the garment brings to us now you will understand the message you say wow this is the hour for moral purity in the church this is the hour when the church cannot wallow in the moral decay of the world in other words moral purity and i've written an article on purity there's an article on the web on purity it's very powerful article if i read it every time i read it i feel like wow it's new and i even define that in the order in the heavenly order purity is most important so now you'll find that this character changes to moral purity that's what he bestows on the church so can we read psalm 15 verse 2 first psalm 15 verse 2 moral perfection moral purity moral excellence He whose walk is blameless and who does what is right who speaks the truth from the heart and has no slander in his tongue who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man who despises a vile man but honors those who fear God who keeps his oath even i can go on and on really but all i wanted to bring to your attention is the truth the truth because he says says the following he whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous who speaks the truth from his heart i just wanted to bring that to the church that's now about the truth doing the truth speaking the truth standing with the truth walking the truth preaching the truth 
leaving the truth. It's beginning to transition now. Can I move on? 18, 18 verse 22. Psalm 18, 22. There's so much there for you. The transition into moral excellence. 18, 22, 23. He says, All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. Now, it is so powerful because he's beginning to say something here that when you walk blameless, when you choose to walk a blameless life, he's now saying that that walk, that now keeps you away from sin. This menacing you see going on in the church. Oh, we don't know what to do. There is so much sin. Oh, I don't know what to do in the worship team sin. Oh, I don't know what to do. My son's sin. He says, the answer is now here. It is now to preach blamelessness. A blameless life. And then they will keep themselves away from sin. Meaning, even what you do when you're alone. I've said it here. Even your internet. I should come and check your internet in your house. And not only that, can I say a little bit more? You know, for me, I get to know what people think as I talk to them. It's just enormous. Even when you get to know what I know, as I'm preaching here, it sometimes overwhelms me. Sometimes I'm shocked that people can think like that. If somebody came to you to probe your life, would he come out without pointing a finger? Accusation. Remember, blameless means guiltlessness, innocent. No accusation. And now he's saying that when you choose that life or you teach it to the church, that is now what will keep them away from sin, he says. Another one. Psalm 19, 13, precious people, as we move slowly now to the New Testament. Psalm 19, 13. He says, Keep your servant from willful sin May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. If there is a word there, willful. Willful sin. He's saying, the avoidance, the warning on willful sin. And there is the trap for the church. The church of Christ has actually abused the grace. They have taken the grace and said, it's alright to live like that. The pastors, some of you can see sin and you've not rebuked it. You've not rebuked it. He said, now you have an answer. Go and preach blamelessness to your church now. And he says, it will keep them away from this intentional sin. Why? Because if you go to the Bible, which we are not reading now, later I'm just mentioning in run. If you go to Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6, you see that warning there. He says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, then no more sacrifice available. You see now the willful sin he's talking about. 
And if you go to Hebrews chapter 10, 26, 31, the same. In fact, there it becomes so brutal to the extent that verse 31 it says, it is a horrendous thing, a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God judging you. Now, Second Peter chapter 2, verses 19, 22. He now becomes very brutal there. He says, it would have been better for you not to have received Jesus than to have received the sacred command that they... Can we read those scriptures here? Let us read those scriptures here because this is important. Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6. So you may understand how blamelessness keeps you away from willful sin. Hallelujah. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6. So this is very powerful. Because there is a warning here now. Now you have no reason. Because you have had. And once you are here, you are hold. They hold you to account. You have heard. You have heard. So you can go and prepare. But can I read now the warning of willful sin? Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6. In other words, the warning on the abuse of the grace that you see in the church. When they say, no, their grace is abundant. You can dress as you want. You can do what you want. You can preach what you want. You can live as you want. You can tolerate sin. But now, there is a warning here. Now he has sent one here to warn you. No, oh, it's not a joke. I don't know that you know who is talking in front of you. Oh, yes. It's my responsibility to bestow responsibility, seriousness to you. Oh, yes. The Messiah is coming. I have seen so much. There's so much I've seen, but I'm trying to catch up with this. Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. He says, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public shame, public disgrace. Now, I'm expounding to you on the willful sin that he said, blamelessness keeps you away from it. So when the Lord presented the wedding ring to the sky, it was a deep conversation with the present day church. I am reading again, like I said, Hebrews 10, 26 to 31. So you may see the abuse of the grace that goes on in the church. How deadly. Because here he says, before we go there, on this one he says, it is impossible. If I were you reading the Bible, I find impossible, I underline. Meaning not possible. If the Bible says it will not be possible, it surely will not be possible that day. He says, it is impossible. And he's talking about, for those who have been enlightened, those who have received the Holy Spirit, he's talking about who? The church. The church of Christ that has even received the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the church that has even seen the powers of the coming age. He said, now you hold her responsible. You hold her to indictment. This is the church that is being warned. He's talking about complacency in Christianity. He's saying, you are born again, but as if you are not. He's saying, it is impossible. And then if you read Hebrews 10, 
26 to 31, he now talks deliberately. The key word there becomes deliberately. When the pastors just go out and commit sin, and then the church becomes a big scandal. I hear everything. I see everything. I see them all. Even some that is very humiliating to be associated with church. You know, I can see from this side. Hallelujah. This is the moment of awakening and purification. If you cannot purify the church, at least purify yourself with this. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, 26, 31, I'm reading. And it says here, if we deliberately, I said deliberately, meet it, you underline. If we, de- willful sin, willful. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only the fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Meaning now, we become enemies of God. From being the church, his people, now we are being prepared for fire, enemies of God now. Willful sin, enemies of God. Can I move on now? And then he goes on to say, Father, he says, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who was treated as an holy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31. It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Did you understand the warning on the abuse of the grace you see in the church? Bring somebody so we collect money fundraising. Do you see this? Do you see the warning on that gospel? Pour water, pour oil, whatever. Whatever they pour on the carpet. Come greet whose hand and pay what? How many will meet who? How many? We need only 10 people so much who will shake the hand of the man of of God. Uh, Excuse me. Have you seen this? Have you seen this warning here? Who is being warned here? The church. Excuse me. Excuse me. The Lord is serious. These words will be completed. They will come to pass. They will come to the fullness of their time. Can we go to Second Peter chapter 2, 19, 22? Let me just finish today with how the New Testament. We are going to go to the New Testament. But I'm still just using this transition. I'm on the transition of moral excellence, moral purity, moral perfection. Now from without defect, I'm bringing this to you. That when you leave this place, you are so deep in this. Yes, you are deep in this. Hallelujah. Second Peter, very fast, precious people, chapter 2, 19, 22. There he even says a dog returns to his vomit. He speaks very strong there. Second Peter, chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave of whatever has mastered him. If we have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome by it, they are worse off at the end than they were in the beginning. That shocked me. He's saying that you rather not take salvation. 
did you just hear what he said? You rather not be born again than to be born again and then trash it the way the church does it with impunity and they fight over things and they raise false prophets they now really go to the world until where the church the pastor put electric shocks and yeah, no 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 praying for people and people no 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 today you have to be purified i must tell you the truth hey. he's saying when you do those things it's better you don't be born again the first one we read in hebrews 6 4 6 he said we put jesus to shame he says, as if we are crucifying him again. Meaning, we are saying, Lord, go back to the cross. Meaning, when he looks at the church, he hears the nail pierced again. Again. I just showed you the rank where he planned to take the church. I showed it to you here. And then, you went and lived less. Where even Muslims can now rebuke you. Rebuke you. You have the Holy Spirit. You worship the Messiah. You are the children of light. How? So the change has come. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say here, before he finishes, he goes on to say here, it would have been worse for them. Their final stage is worse than they were in the beginning. They were worse over the end than they were in the beginning. Verse 21. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed upon them. Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to his vomit and a pig that a saw that has been washed goes back to the mud. Then you understand what apostasy has done to the church. In fact, I can now, having read this, I can now define to you apostasy. Apostasy is undercover atheists in the church. Undercover atheists. Not born again, they're in the church. They're atheists. In other words, you can call it rebellion in the church. Can we move on this now? Now, what do we see here? Can I summarize it here? So listen to me now properly here. What we are seeing is this. Now I'm moving to the New Testament. That was a bridge. When I brought the book of Psalms, that was a bridge. To move more into moral excellence, moral purity, moral perfection. But now listen to this. Now, if you go into the New Testament, this character that the government bestows, fine linen, bright and clean was given hard to wear. That character of a blameless life that the government bestows on the church. If you go to the New Testament now, you find the following. You find number one, of course, still highlighting moral excellence. Number two, you find the following. It is almost exclusively used to describe Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. For sacrifice. Hallelujah. Number three, after he sacrificed, then you find now it is also attached. It is also imputed. It's now used also to describe his followers, the church. Now listen to this. He's saying, we just looked at the bridge. 
That was Psalm 15, verse 2, 18, 22, 23, and so forth. But now he's saying that when you go to the New Testament and you want to understand what is this, this restoration, this complete integrity, this wholesomeness, that this garment brings to the church, justification that justifies us to stand before God and say, Lord, I am now as righteous as you are. I want to enter. Meaning no more accusation from the garden. So what is this that in the New Testament now, what is this that this garment bestows upon the church? And then we find the following. It still highlights moral perfection, moral purity. Number two, but now we find that it's the middle name, blameless is the middle name of Jesus. Blameless. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God without defect, that was able to die for our sins. And then after he dies on the cross, then you find now actually it's used, it's imputed. That's why I used imputed. It is credited to his followers also. So can we read a few verses? I cannot read all, there are too many. Just a few verses. Hallelujah. So now let us look at the church. First Peter chapter 118. First Peter 118, precious people. And it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver, gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, a blameless lamb, in other words. Did you understand? Without defect or without blemish, without accusation. So now we are seeing Christ Jesus, our Lord, bearing this name. Blamelessness. Hallelujah. The moment has come. Then can we look at another one? The book of Hebrews chapter 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. What does he say then? He says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God unblemished, without blemish, without accusation without defect, without pointing a finger still referring to Jesus, step by step precious people hallelujah and then let's move on now again the same Hebrew 7-6 we have it right there 7-6, he says, This man, however, did not trace his descendants from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham. Based on, okay, so he's talking about Melchizedek. Melchizedek, really. Yeah, let me just move on now. Ephesians 1-4 also. What does he say? He says the following. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love, and so forth. Now, being imputed to the church. All of a sudden, now he's using it to refer to the church. He said, now he chose us that we may now be blameless in him. And so, because I'm showing this now, I don't have to read all of them now. I'll just give you Colossians 1.22. Colossians 1.22. Then he says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death 
to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now that has become the name of the church. That's why I am happy that the government he gave bestowed upon the church this quality. Now we are justified. Now we have the blamelessness of the Lord. We have the righteousness of the Lord. Now you understand that the garment that he gives us, fine linen, because of this vision here, this event, the rings are announcing, the wedding of the Lamb, that garment actually are the robes of Christ. Hey, that makes me tremble. To wear the robes of Christ, the robes, the robes, the raiment of Christ. Hey! If we had known this, we would walk our salvation with fear. Fear now. Wow, I'm wearing. Can I give just the rundown to scriptures? You can read at home. Yes. So Ephesians 5.27, that I need to read. 5.27 I read and that's the last one I read. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5.27, and it says the following here. It says, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That is the church. Now, let me give you more. Colossians 1.22 we read, and then I have 1 Corinthians 1.8, Jude 24, 2 Peter 3.14, Philippians 1.10 Timothy 3.10 First Thessalonians 5.23 Philippians 2.15 First Thessalonians 2.10 And then James 1.27 Hallelujah Now, precious people, listen to me very well. This is what I want to focus on. I want to lay greater emphasis on this garment that actually these two rings announce to the church. That look, heaven is now prepared to receive the church. Are you ready? You understand? That's the whole conversation of this vision. That look, heaven is now prepared to receive the church and the gates are now open. But are you ready? So that's why he told me, run. Run to the bride. Run to the church globally and ask them, are you ready? Tell them you have seen. Tell them what I've shown you. I have seen it. It is ready. The Father made me know a sense of accomplishment. Go and tell them these things. So now, I want to lay greater emphasis, but I want to focus on the following. I want to bring to your attention the fact that this treasured garment can be lost. If it is not well kept, it can be lost. And then, in the process of this garment can be lost, I'll upgrade that from that place by looking at this garment is the garment of heaven, like you saw. For entry, for heaven. And then it can be lost. So, if this garment is the garment of heaven, how about if you lose it? Again, let me say, this garment is the uniform of heaven. How about if you lose it? In fact, the uniform that talks about the citizens of heaven. How about if you lose it? The Lord bless you very much. If there are people, as I know there are, if there are pastors here that know from the bottom of their hearts that they just want to be right with the Lord, this is the moment to lift up your heads and repeat after me very, very loud. 
precious people say precious Jesus I have heard your word I have heard about the coming of the Messiah I have heard about the power of righteousness tonight I come before you and repent of all sin and ask you Lord to establish righteousness in my life Lord bring fire of the Holy Ghost to establish righteousness in my family Lord bring righteousness in my ministry give me power of righteousness I turn away from apostasy and choose righteousness in the mighty name of Jesus today I am born again the Lord bless you shalom shalom Todaraba, Todalahem. Amen.